gentlemen, boys and girls, dying time is here. That's right, it's the prom night edition of Kill by Kill. Greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from Alexander Hamilton High School, or as close to it in Canada as we can possibly get. Congratulations, everybody. It's that time of year where we all put on our finest, or at least the finest that we can rent or your mom will allow you to wear. It's time to go to prom. And what better way to do that? than to talk about Prom Night, the kill-by-kill way, where we're going to discuss all of the intricacies of all the characters here in the hopes that their gory details might uh, let us make some jokes about them in the end. And the only person that I could possibly think of to give a reasonably priced you know, flower arrangement and strap it on her wrist to help me out today is the one and only Gina Radcliffe. How you doing, Gina? It's such a special night. I never thought you'd ask. <laughs> well, you know what? I saw you sitting across the country in a Brooklyn apartment, and I said, I'm going to take that person in an overpriced limo uh, to this internet prom, and we're going to make a podcast out of it. <laughs> it'll, be the, it'll be the the coolest kids at the prom with our 44-year-old selves just <laughs> rocking on the dance floor with the kids. Oh, if we can only dance as awkwardly as Leslie Nielsen does in this. It's almost as if he just had arms and legs sewn onto his body for the first time. The way he sashays back and forth. He sees other people dancing, right? Yeah, there's definitely a little bit of young Frankenstein putting on the Ritz in, uh, in his dancing there. <laughs> I, you know what, Gina? We are not alone in our wonderful trip down to the disco hell that is prom night. Why, this person actually made the mistake of saying yes when I said, will you go to real senior high school prom with me? <laughs> it's very, very true. Kids, welcome Janelle Shamerhorn. Hello, Janelle. Hi, guys. How are you? We're excellent. Thank you so much for taking time out of your real life to enjoy the bullshit of my uh, podcast. It's the second yes I've had with you, Patrick. We'll see if it's worth it. <laughs> and uh, just to note for the audience, she has not said the first yes with worth it at all. Uh, we'll see if we get an answer to that question as we proceed along into 1980s prom night. Now, Janelle... Had you ever watched Prom Night previous to me demanding you witness it? I was aware of the movie, but I have to say, I thought I had seen it. But as mm -hmm. I was going through, I thought to myself, no way. No way have I seen that dance scene before. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, no way. it's definitely the only slasher movie in which the action, what little of it there is, stops for a very long disco dance number. Set to this, which I love that it's set to a song with the same name as the title of the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's if, if in the middle of Terror Train there was a dance sequence and they started yelling, Terror Train! Terror Train! It felt like they were dancing forever. It's endless. I, I thought that my life had flashed before my eyes. It, well, we'll get to it because we don't have much to get to in between. No. <laughs> the beginning of this movie and that extraordinarily long dance sequence. 
uh, on their disco floor. So this is prom night, 1980. Uh, this is after Jamie Lee Curtis has done both Halloween and Terror Train. This is her sort of third follow-up in her early horror trio, as it were. It's remarkable for being Canadian and also having Leslie Nielsen in it. There's nothing else going on in this movie, guys. No, no. Well, it's got like one kind of good death scene. But, I mean, I, I, I will give it away later in the episode where exactly you can stop if you're watching on YouTube if you just want to see that scene. Because there's really... <laughs> There's nothing else that I can really recommend about this movie other than that particular death scene. Yeah, I just, I have to make one little comment about Leslie Nielsen and his role in this movie, which was to take me out of it immediately. And it's not that uh, I was ever in the movie, to be fair, (laughs) but I did look it up and, and Airplane came out, I think about two weeks before this movie. Yeah. And I could just imagine the audience reaction when they saw him. Like, wait, what What kind of movie is this going to be with goofy ne- Leslie Nielsen? And, and particularly since his character serves ultimately no purpose in, right. in, in the movie whatsoever. He's not even really set up as a red herring, although it makes sense to set him up as a red herring, as opposed to the tongue-lolling groundskeeper. And he, he doesn't get killed. He disappears for... The pretty much the entire last majority of the movie, yeah, half hour of the movie. So he really just serves. I don't, I don't know if it would count as stunt casting, but his character it, it's jarring because he's there and then does nothing. This is the sort of thing that you would hire Leslie Nielsen to do previous to his work uh, with the Zucker Abram Zucker Group, and after that, his his uh, career was completely transformed. But in this movie, he's really serving the same function he did for a decade and a half previous to starring in that comedy. He was just thought of as this solid, stately guy who would come in and be semi-authoritarian. And that's what he would get away with. And that's why he works so well in Airplane. Originally, you never saw that performance of his coming. Right. So it was just um, unfortunate timing then for prom night, which otherwise would have been a blockbuster hit, I'm sure. (laughs) It did actually very well, particularly in the drive-in circuit. People were hungry for this type of thing, and there are much worse examples of this. This one just happens to star Jamie Lee Curtis, which I think is what gives it its cult status. Otherwise, it'd be pretty. And boobs. Well, it's a good, it's a, it's a definitely a good makeout movie because again, I, I can't state this enough. Nothing happens for the entire full first hour of the movie. Nothing. It is, it is virtually all that you see is a lot of people talking on the phone and a lot of people wandering around a school. I, you're not wrong. So let's get right into this. This movie starts off with a very odd variation of hide and seek. Can either of you explain to me the rules of killer, which I think is the name of the game because that's all you yell. The killer's going to get you. Yeah, it's some sort of sociopathic take on hide the seek. Yeah. And and, and I think that one of the issues with this movie is it, it tries to insert a lot of tropes, a lot of different horror movie tropes, but not successfully. So with the with the opening, you've got a little touch of creepy kids. You've got a little touch of the, oh, well, we accidentally killed this person, but we're going to keep it this secret and never tell anybody, which is completely dropped about 
about maybe a half hour into into the the movie. Like one can assume that maybe Jamie Lee Curtis would figure it out that everybody that got killed had to do with her sister's accidental death. But there's yeah, so you got you know, you got the creepy kids, you've got the the you know, we're gonna keep this murder a secret. You got a little touch of Carrie going on with the mm-hmm. prom prank planned and, and try to say that three times fast. Um <laughs> but yeah they, they try a little bit of everything and none of it really works. No, it is a grab bag of other successful movies, but none of those sort of Lego pieces end up connecting to one another. It is so odd. I mean, it has the very common trope of the sort of I know what you did last summer setup of we made this terrible mistake or a prank that went wrong and it resulted in the death and or maiming of this other person, which then sets up the killer to get their revenge. So this is basically one long revenge movie as opposed to a formal slasher. That being said, we meet the triumvirate of Hammond children. We have Kim, who's the older one, and then we have twins, Alex and... Oh, let me... Robin. Robin, yes. Robin. Robin, dead meat Hammond. Uh... (laughs) Who, who has a who has a stutter, which I guess is supposed to make her you know more tragic or something. I'm I'm not sure. Wait, who yeah. were the twins? There were twins. Yes, they are twins. They're they're dressed identically. Otherwise, they're boy and they're know. boy and girl twins. They still dressed identically for. How did and, I miss this? And they <laughs> yeah they they the the little boy kind of looks like Johnny Whitaker from uh, Sigmund and the Sea Monsters. Oh, and, you and, nailed it! You read my and, mind. And Gina. the and the, the 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 little girl doesn't look anything like him. Now, obviously, boy girl twins don't necessarily aren't going to look identical, but they generally tend to look pretty close to each other. But yeah, these just look like stock cute children casting yeah we'll just put a matching shirts on them they'll, they'll, they're twins they're twins just accept it yeah Got they it. sort of look like uh maybe they're in the french navy <laughs> <laughs> that's about it uh, i don't know i yeah. thought they all looked like they were in the pages of a jc penny catalog with their high water oh, yeah, bell bottoms and yeah, their... yeah they got all the, the kids got like the blazers on and yeah. the one little the one little girl's dressed like uh, anna green gables for some reason and and <laughs> Uh, yeah, they all seem to be dressed in some sort of catalog's finest, uh, including Nick, uh, the few or at least past Nick, who wears a hat that says sunset on it in the weirdest kind of font I've ever seen in my life, where it curves around this Japanese flag version of the sun. I, I don't know why anyone would wear this hat. I, I, don't, I don't know why anyone wouldn't. That sounds awesome. <laughs> Robin sees Nick on the outside of this building and is instantly smitten. She's got to get inside. She's got to see what's doing. Meanwhile, Kim's like, fuck y'all, I forgot a book. And Alex is like, they won't play with you. I'm going to go home. And she wanders into this building. And as soon as she is spotted, they are so pissed off that someone has interrupted their shitty game of hide-and-go-seek and and yell killer at one another. I just don't understand how the game is played. The main killer finds you and then makes you part of 
the group and you yell killer at the last one left alive? Yeah, it's like I, a I don't virus. know. I, yeah, I've never, I've never seen. I mean, when I was a kid, I played stuff like Freeze Tag. I've never seen, I've never seen anything quite like this game. And 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 again, I, I feel like they were trying to initially go for a, a the Omen s creepy kid vibe, and then like, yeah, well, no, okay, th- we'll just drop that. Th- th- let's try this instead. And it doesn't help that the entire movie is filmed in in sort of carry vision. Everything looks like it has a halo of mist. Yes! It, everything kind of looks like Sue Snell's dream sequence at the end. Exactly. Everything's all like kind of, you know, the golden lit and, and yeah, like hazy. Like, the, yeah, it's a perfect word for it. It has to be noted that Leslie Nielsen does not emote a single feeling in this entire movie. <laughs> It's like he's sleepwalking or he's on the wrong combination of drugs. And everybody talks about him like he was the the greatest guy to be around. And I'm not saying that he wasn't, but he doesn't really come across as a as a maybe he's trying to make himself a red herring because when he's asked to sort of cry looking out the window where one of his daughters has fallen to her death, he's kind of like, "Well, I'm waiting for this scene to begin." <laughs> Well, I didn't even realize he was the dad until a little bit later because because of what you're saying. He was so neutral toward it. And then later I'm like, oh, my God, he's the dad? He did not do a very good job of comforting mom there. Yeah, and, and the and the idea is, you know, another, another plot thread that is briefly picked up and then unceremoniously laid back down, never to be mentioned again, is that the mother is apparently having difficulties getting over the, the death of, the, of, of Robin, which is completely understandable. And yet, if you're going to mention it and then not do anything about it, you might as well just edit out her character entirely. Because again, she ultimately has nothing to do and, and no bearing on any of the action, I put that in air quotes, that, that, that takes place later in the movie. It's one of those things that both of them are set up as potential killers and they are given... A motivation, the death of a child, which you would see in Friday the 13th as something that you could actually work with. But neither of those things pay off. And like we've said before, they disappear from this movie. People say, hey, where's your dad? And nobody knows. And it's never picked up again. And I almost wonder if he was killed off in some way, shape or form at some point. And they just said, ah, we only need this to be 82 minutes long. Like, let's cut that out. <laughs> That's possible because, I mean, I it, he did, the killer did did end up killing someone that was unrelated to what he was seeking revenge on. And yet I just sort of feel like it was just because he was there. The, Leslie Nielsen's character disappearing, I think it's just poor editing, poor screenwriting. I, I think that he, there are probably scenes in which he was just kind of in the background and then they got cut out. I don't. Besides, I'm pretty sure he was at the he was there at the end when we're not going to give away the killer's identity yet. But when he comes running out of the school at the end, I think he's there. Leslie Nielsen basically blinks out the window. His wife arrives. He holds her uncomfortably close <laughs> while his dead daughter is shoved into the back of a rope transportation vehicle. It doesn't look like any ambulance I've ever seen. Most ambulances don't require that much twine and rope inside of them. <laughs> the, the local medical examiner was called away from a camping trip. <laughs> there's only where's, one. It's a small town. Where's climbing Everest? He there's like there's the like type. seven. There, there's there's like twenty five people at the prom. How how big of a town do you think that is? He's already <laughs> dead anyway, Patrick. It's all right. At this moment in time, let's talk about 
who these people are then six years later and they're, that'll sort of they're, set the table. They're they're now a bunch of thirty year old high schoolers. <laughs> yeah. This, this is this is the oldest looking bunch of teenagers since since Greece. I, mean, I agree. I, I I was just like completely aghast at Jamie Lee Curtis's prom dress. She looks like Rosen Island. <laughs> She's just got some sort of like forty five year old dinner at the Lions Club dress with like the little the little jacket over it. She's got this really unflattering hairstyle, and everybody in this movie just looks old. Like the one was it Wendy was her her was the antagonist. Uh-huh. I mean, really, a high school student, except maybe Alex. Alex looked ironically, given who he turns out to be, Alex actually looked plausibly like a high school student none of these other characters did he at least looks vaguely youngish whereas everyone else appears to be taking time off from what they've been doing after college to come and do prom night yeah i was confused about who jamie lee curtis was for the first several minutes because she did look so old and i thought is that the mom is that some neighbor and then later put it together oh that's the the sister I don't recall anyone dressing that sophisticated at 16, 17 years old. She does look very smart. There's a lot of blazer work in this movie. <laughs> they they all look like me when I worked at Fox. <laughs> it's a very inside joke because no one knows what I looked like when I worked at Fox, but I promise you a lot of blazers were involved. Yeah, but no no one's wearing no one in this in this school is wearing, you know, the, the, the Led Zeppelin t shirt with a naked angel on it or anything like that. Like like actual high school students in nineteen eighty would have been wearing. This is no uh, uh, fast times at Ridgemont High in terms of costuming. So let's go through the individuals that we'll be discussing from here on out. We're gonna start with Kim Hammond. It's a role that required Jamie Lee Curtis to go bra shopping. <laughs> That's not a joke. That's a reality. She was required to go bra shopping for this role. Uh, she also has a character tick, which I found interesting, where she addresses people that she supposedly likes as if they're at a Renaissance fair. <laughs> she, she does it to her friend. She does it to her brother. Where she's like, hello there. And does thou want to? And I'm like, what are you doing (laughs) it's like are you picking up work after medieval times like why why is everyone addressed in this weird manner which does nothing to help her seem like a teenager it doesn't make her sound hip or cool or young it's just very odd (laughs) i'm sure the screenwriter was very proud she she is the the prom queen which uh which as is as is usually the case in in movies and television shows and very rarely the reality is treated as though it is some sort of epic achievement that will carry her in, in, in years to come. Everybody in the entire school is excited about the fact that she's the prom queen, like to the yeah. point where they're actually like doing a rehearsal, like they're getting married. I mean, what do you need a rehearsal to walk out onto a platform? With like what I what I love is is there's a recorded announcement like they're like they're a Miss America pageant where it's like Kim Hammond is captain of the dance club she's a straight A student and it's like it's like you know what I I barely remember who my I think I forgot the week after my prom who the king and queen were and I'm pretty sure it was just they gave you a piece of paper you wrote their name down it wasn't like some sort of you know drawn out very important event that the teachers got involved in i think they just wanted to make sure it was somebody who hadn't been suspended recently for selling weed in the boys locker room (laughs) that was the main that was the main qualification of how you could run for prom king or queen 
I can't. It kind of seems awkward because we didn't get to see it happen in this movie, but I was trying to think back to when the king and queen or the court or whatever whatever dance you were at when these people got announced. Then what happens? Okay. I mean, we just, everyone clap and then cut to music. It's so yeah, it's definitely... Slowly resign yourself to a, a life of disappointment, I think. Is yeah, what it was after. not... And again, I don't, I don't profess that the way my high school did it some 25-odd years ago is how it's done normally, but it was, you know, it was a two-minute event. Yay, here's your Burger King crown, and let's take some pictures, and then everybody... This was not the, the moment that everybody was waiting for. And right. again, I, I sort of feel like they were lifting a bit of a page from, from Carrie with that. Well, we'll get to the sort of set up for it but it, it does not require any of the laborious plot devices that we're forced to sit through before this crowning moment occurs when what happens could have happened regardless they make it sound like it's going to be this giant carry-esque set piece and it's not it's like if so, if if a watermelon fell off a tray at your picnic. That's going to make more sense when we get to when we talk about it. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Okay. So we talked about Kim, but uh, then we have her kid brother, Alex, who's a male perm example. <laughs> and then the foursome uh, who ended up killing the, the Hammond's uh, sister. And at this point early in the film, they begin to receive non-obscene, obscene phone calls from what feels like the breather from student bodies, Gina. Yes. Yeah. Student and bodies it, borrowed heavily from this movie. Oh, oh, yeah. He's got, he's very organized. He, he's he got a little notepad, very like the, the bride from Kill Bill kind of notepad where he's scribbling yes. off each name as he calls. He looks like he, he's calling from a real estate agency's office. I don't, I don't know where he's supposed to be. When these it, calls but it's make very place. dark in there, and he doesn't. He knows everyone's number. He has not written down their phone number next to their name. He doesn't need that reminder. All he needs is a reminder of the actual names. And then, and then, given who the killer turns out to be, that is not the same actor who is in silhouette, or even I don't even think that's even the same actor doing the, that the calls, like the voiceover. Oh, that's for certain. Can um, we have a moment of truth here? Sure. Did either of you participate in this type of phone calling in the 80s? I never did obscene calls. I may have done a, you know, is your refrigerator running? Because I I had the soul of a Borscht Belt comedian and, and thought that that kind of thing was hilarious when I was 13. I, I never did hang up calls because that, that's not, that's unsportsmanlike. That, that requires zero effort. Never did obscene phone calls. Had one, was mortified by it and never, and spent an entire month like refusing to answer the phone when it rang. All right. Patrick? I don't think so. I'm really racking my brain. Uh, it sounds like something stupid that I would do, but <laughs> I probably didn't have the wherewithal. And I, I was also very fearful of ever being caught doing something i had seen people obviously being been caught doing something wrong on television and knew i didn't want to have that ever happen to me so i kept on the straight and narrow pretty well not because it had some sort of rigid moral center but just good old-fashioned fear fear this and is cowardice. providing a lot of clarification for me <laughs> <laughs> Go on. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Uh, 
Um, so, yeah, I, I can't say that uh, pranks were my thing. I think as far out as I ever got would be the toilet papering of someone's trees. Yeah. Th- that required hands-on dirty work that I could get behind. And I just love yeah, the think- touch and feel of toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably, you know, soap the word fart in somebody's car window or something like that. My 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 sense of humor, yeah. my sense of humor, you know, remain was and remains very childish and very very poop related, so I could totally see myself doing that. The F word on a car. <laughs> I see where you got your start. <laughs> Uh, so this foursome goes as such according to this phone call. First up, we got Kelly Lynch, who sadly is not the professional doctor described by Sam Elliott in the <laughs> seminal film Roadhouse, as she ent- she has entirely too much brains to have an ass that hot. Instead, <laughs> she's surprised by her eternally horny boyfriend Drew in the middle of her dirty phone call, who looks exactly like Alex Hammond. And it's, I'm beginning to think that Canada just ran out of non-blonde, curly-haired males and put all of them in this movie. Yeah, in, in classic uh, slasher movie, asshole boyfriend uh, style, he is completely unconcerned with how upset she is by this threatening phone call mm-hmm. and tries to parlay it into another opportunity to get her into bed with him. Yes. Which, which, smooth man, you are very, very smooth. Yeah. I, I can't believe you're calling him an asshole given the really tender love scene that happens between them later. <laughs> I now like between maybe you missed, missed that. Between this and My Bloody Valentine, we now have two Canadian horror film examples of people trying to make love in a locker room. <laughs> is this a thing? I'm our, beginning our, to think this uh, is a thing, Gina. Our, our, our Canadian listeners, please write us in and let us know if you've ever gotten it on in a locker room, because that's really weird. I don't want to, you know, you know, shame anybody, but that's really weird. I'm not yeah, saying it's wrong. Is... I'm just saying it's gross. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I don't mean, I, I'm not saying do, do what, you know, do what feels right to you, but that's really fucking weird. <laughs> So, yeah, that, that doesn't go well between those two. But that's okay, because we still got Jude. Jude Cunningham. They really got inventive with these names, guys. Uh, Jude has never been taught the concept of stranger danger, because as soon as she's out of doors after her phone call, she's approached on the street by Slick. He calls the best, himself Slick. The best character in the whole movie. My he's favorite, fantastic. for sure. Oh, he's If the whole movie was about him and her... It would be a better movie, to be honest with you. Totally. Is it possible that his name... I, I, w- I couldn't quite catch it. Is it possible he said his name was Seymour Crane? Yes. He did. He said... He, I, don't, I don't remember Crane. Seymour was definitely his, his real name. Yes. I love everything about this guy. <laughs> I love his name. Both names. Uh-huh. His van... His whole look, his, his attitude, his, his book, his book with the secret joint stash hidden in it. Everything. <laughs> Nothing was missed on this guy. He, he's like the only character that really kind of stands out in any way because they, they gave him something close to a personality, which is odd because he is a supporting character who maybe in total probably has about 12 or 13 lines in it. Mm-hmm. And but they, they made him the most colorful character. He's, and, and to put this in my bloody Valentine sort of parlance, he's the Hollis. 
Yes, he's, exactly. He is the colorful, slightly chubby character who's the life of the party and makes everything more tolerable when he's on screen. And sadly, he's not on the screen long enough. Understand why Jude gets in the van with him, which is a completely frightening decision. Yes, well, Jude, you forgive her a little bit, yeah, right? Jude's a little, Jude's a little thirsty, I think. Um, right. For now, experience. For, for, for some reason, we're supposed to believe that she can't get a date to the prom. Yes. Where she is a you know perfectly fine looking, nice young woman. There is there's no reason why she shouldn't be able to. Like I, I know at one point, um, I think towards the beginning of the movie, Kim attempts to get Alex to ask her to the prom, which she's like, oh no, no, I'm not that desperate. It's like. <laughs> It's like, dude, the fuck? You know, it's like... You'd be so lucky. I mean, granted, she is dressed like, I don't know, like strawberry shortcakes wallpaper. (laughs) It's a very odd decision in terms of costuming. There are a lot of of aesthetic decisions in this movie that I I question. Yeah, uh, getting back to Slick for just for a second, his cool 70s fuck van is i love the van i uh, was pretty awesome although he does prematurely park partially on the sidewalk as he flirts with her which is There's not a lot of uh, premature with him yep. yeah yeah <laughs> uh this somehow results in the two of them who we're led to believe are complete strangers to one another that they're going to the prom and later lose their virginity to one another that's a busy day for those two yeah but patrick when you know you know that's true. If he pulled up next to me, I'd know pretty fast. <laughs> Just holds up that book with the joint stash in it. Mm. Oh, man, those those partially dimmed glasses and uh, there's just yeah. nothing he wasn't offering. That that van that that van would be a rockin'. Knocking would not be necessary if Slick were to visit me <laughs> along my street corner. That is for damn sure. Uh, and then we move on to Wendy Richards. Now, she was the previous ringleader. And as we've mentioned, she's sort of like a poor man's Carrie's Chris Harkinson. Uh, only she doesn't have the motivation or the acting talent. She, she the does script. have some sort of vague motivation in, in, that, in that Nick used to date her and then yeah. now he is dating Kim. And and this is the worst thing that's ever happened to to Wendy apparently because accidentally killing a child, eh, you know, shit happens. But no, your your boyfriend dumps you for your friend. Well, that's just that's just intolerable. Right. I mean, this basically, you're right. Murder is nothing to her. Where, you think whereas... after she killed Kim's little sister, she'd give Kim a little, you know, all right, you can have the boyfriend. It seems like a fair trade. Yeah, she. This character. No, the funny thing is, I looked up the actress, and the actress actually went on to be on the show Sledgehammer. Yeah, she, she was, was on uh, his, on his part, Buck his Rogers. partner, I think. Yeah. yeah, but she just plays this role like she's just some sort of Joan Collins esque, you know, with the nostrils flaring, just you know, icy staring at 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 Jamie Lee Curtis. Whenever it's like, dude, you killed her sister. <laughs> you know what I mean? You have no right for this. You know, high school ice queen act because her yeah, boyfriend. Yeah, but Tina, that was years ago. <laughs> yeah, six years ago. Come on, Waterville <laughs> under the bridge. Like we've all killed somebody else's younger it sibling. Happens. I mean, it's a, it's a yeah. rite of passage, you know. I mean, 
you know, you, you make your, you make your, you make your, uh, your confirmation, you, you kill your friend's little brother or something, you know, it's right. not healthy to hold on to things like that. Exactly. Seriously. You know, that, that, that kind of poison, it eats you when you, when you murder someone, you, you just kind of let it go after a little while because it just, you know, it kind of eats you up from the inside and that's not healthy. That's right. We all have things that mark the passage of time. You know, when you get your driver's license. Uh, when somebody touches your private parts for the first time, when you kill a kid, this is just how you tell the time has passed. And then you're right. like, yeah, I remember the days. Well, you know, we just, it's at that, at that point where your, your mom's no longer updating your baby book. So there's really, you know, nobody really has a time to reflect on that, that <laughs> life changing moment. I got to quickly check my baby book just to make sure I didn't kill somebody. <laughs> We also know that Kim is rich because uh, oh. she has a Brady Bunch style Alice who's constantly cleaning the house and making meals. Was that supposed to be her, her the servant, or was that like her mom? I it came across to me as that is a servant. Uh, if it's her mom, she's like I, an eighty years old. <laughs> she's 80, she's eighty years old and she's wearing a you know a house smock. It, it just didn't. <laughs> Like, I, how often do your mom clean up your ashtray just after you left the room? That seems like a job. Well, okay, fair enough. <laughs> I know mine was constantly doing that. And then, really, the last person we have to talk about who's a high school student here is Lou Farmer. Oh, my God. Lou. Lou, Lou who suggests John Travolta if John Travolta were missing a couple of chromosomes. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's say 18 out of 23. Yeah, I mean, just, just the mouth hanging open, the, the, the Vinnie Barbarino-esque countenance, the upsettingly tight jeans, which were just like, yo, I can't look at you whenever you're on screen. Yeah, yeah he was the worst. And he was not in high school. Come on. No, and his <laughs> idea of flirting with someone is putting a ski mask over his head and coming up behind and molesting her. And then beating up her brother when he tried to defend her. Yeah, Lou has a Bill O'Reilly level of understanding of sexual harassment, meaning that he doesn't know of or understand what it is at all. He just does. Uh, you can really tell that Lou is a rebel because no one who who follows the rules would ever have that kind of monobrow going on. I don't I don't know where they found this gentleman. I don't know if this was his only acting role. I, I kind of have the sneaky suspicion that it was. <laughs> this was not a springboard to success, not unless someone gave him a very grand makeover that included replacing his face. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I definitely could see a, a get me a John Travolta type. And they were like, but only but only pay him $200 and Marlboro coupons. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Mission kind of accomplished, I suppose, would be the banner hanging over his head. He is a very odd looking individual and super gross in absolutely every single way the way he acts the way he talks the way he orders hamburgers he also dances uh like he's uh slow motion making a martini for somebody with both <laughs> hands it's very very odd and then finally we have uh nick mcbride now he's the kid with the sunset hat uh who helped uh kill robin early on He's asked Kim to prom, and I guess this is his... 
he's kind of the William Cat of this, if we're putting it in Carrie uh, parlance. I think that he uh, he kind of he, he makes it to the end, doesn't he? I mean, I know he gets attacked, but I don't think he gets killed. No, he does not get killed. In fact, yeah. let's just put this in perspective. I think the producers of this film asked for a William Cat type. And they actually brought them three, and they're like, "Well, we can't tell that we can't sh- we can't tell them to go away. Let's give all of them roles, but we can't tell anyone apart. Who needs to tell anyone apart?" said the producers, director, and writer of Prom Night. And then, as soon as we meet the older versions of this, the very first red herring we meet is the school groundskeeper, whom I'm just going to oh, refer gosh. to as Malvert because that's what he is. He is Malvert from Student Bodies. Everybody is complaining to to Principal Dad that, oh, he stares at us. He's looking in the, he's looking at the window as saying, oh, no, he's fine. I, I, I checked. He's fine. And, and he's he's standing there staring at them while he's going by saying, nope, nope, I, I vetted him. He, he's the right man for this job. Nothing to worry about. I ordered a suspicious creepy man with a comb over and I got one. I love how subtle it was, his level of creepy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, literally there's a scene where he's staring, his tongue is hanging out. Yeah. He looks he's, a little bit like a Tex Avery character. He's introduced clipping hedges suggestively, which I didn't <laughs> think was possible up until I saw it actually happen. <laughs> and, and in the end, he's like the only one that knows what's going on. And of course, like, oh, he's drunk. <laughs> <laughs> no, know, he's he turns out to be a sweet guy, a do-gooder. Yeah. Oh, no. Listen, does he want to kidnap several of those women probably but he's also anti-murder of those women that's just where he draws his personal line yeah Yeah, he's got a line and then at some point we're introduced to a cop and a medical examiner who go about this whole backstory about how they didn't find out it was these four kids who killed this girl it was actually a local rapist you know every town has one who happened to be you know somehow convicted of this crime and then burned well yeah he he flipped his car over during a police chase and the car caught on fire what i am thinking about here is what is the movie oh my god i can't remember the movie with the the three kids were born the same day and they have the birthday bloody birthday bloody birthday (laughs) where why do i know that there is a, it, it would have come to me eventually, I just couldn't think happy birthday to me, but there is a scene in which a man is beaten to death with a shovel, and then the medical examiner treats it like he fell down the stairs. <laughs> now, I, I, I understand why they might have thought that this little girl might have been the, the victim of a sexual predator, but do they not tell the difference between someone falling out of a third story window and someone just being you know, strangled or beaten to death, or or I, I sort of feel like their their detective work was so lazy that they looked at this child, said, "Well, there there is a sexual predator in the area. I guess he did it. Well, case closed. Clonk clonk. <laughs> you know, great job, guys. It's Michelob time. You know, yeah. I mean, it's just yeah, it's just they they. I think they pretty much almost actually say it like that." It's like, well, we have this guy, what was his name, Merch? Something like that? Louis, like Louis Mench or Merch, yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's, well, like, I guess he did it. Okay, sounds good to me. It works. It killed two birds with one burned stone. Let's ship him off to a mental institution, which he promptly breaks out of very conveniently six years later to the actual goddamn day. And yeah, they pull a full Michael Myers here because he's not only broken out of a mental institution, he's stolen a car 
which how did he do that? And then murdered a nurse in the same vacant building that they found Robin on the outside of. A big day. Big day for him. It's a really big day. Busy. It's a lot to do. Busy. Everyone's got a full slate in this town. Yeah, I mean, Jude, uh, Jude and Slick, this guy. I mean, these people really know how to get their uh, the, the, the best use of their time. <laughs> and so they they find this dead body. And the medical examiner, the first thing he does is start touching all the evidence. There's a piece of broken glass that she's been stabbed with. Is that actually this guy? Or is that our killer who ends up murdering everyone else? I'm completely confused by it. It's, it's another clumsy attempt at red her- herring ring? Her- <laughs> red her- red herringing the movie. <laughs> I, I'm just astounded, Patrick, that with all the boobs in this movie and the lack of supportive bras, that you could possibly notice such a detail. I'm really impressed. No, I also noticed the boobs on top of it. I'm just not <laughs> saying it out loud. <laughs> uh, I'm good that way. Oh, here's a detail I apparently missed is that uh, the cop is Nick's dad? Because they right. walk out of the same house together. Like, everyone involved in this movie is related to one another. Like, again, there's only, there's, there's only like 25 people in the school. And, and what I think is hilarious is that Nick's dad is is supposed to be investigating the, the escape from an insane asylum of a crazed child killer. And yet he has time to go chaperone the prom. <laughs> That's the most important thing for any police detective to do. I know at my prom there were tons of uh, plainclothes police detectives. That seems to be very much a a, a movie and TV trope that I do not know. Uh, uh, again, I think I mentioned earlier that I don't know really ever comes over to real life is the parents chaperoning the prom. I have never I have never encountered that in in real life because usually they have oh I don't know teachers to do that. Well, in this case, was he wasn't he the principal? No, this is different. These are two separate characters. Yeah. Oh, okay. Le- 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 Leslie Nielsen was Jamie Lee Curtis's dad, and he is the principal. And okay, then yep. and then Nick's father was a police detective who you know, apparently is the only detective in town assigned to this case, but also has time to chaperone a prom. And then we also have the gym teacher slash dance instructor and her rather lecherous husband, who is oh yeah, he's like hitting on like fe- he's like he's like hitting on female on students at the prom. Yeah, he's he's real good at the down low maneuver. <laughs> I don't remember any adults at the prom. I mean, I'm sure they were there, but I sure wasn't sliding up and dancing with them the way that Jamie Lee Curtis was with her own dad. <laughs> Yeah, that's a very hunky junk sort of dancing. Like outside of Hanna Barbera cartoons, I can't say I've ever seen a, a human figure do that. Yeah, we need to talk more about the the dance scene when we when we get to it. So I think that pretty much puts us past all the various characters. There's not that many people, but between the uh, lieutenant and the medical examiner, they decide not to tell anyone that a horribly burned maniac is on the loose because it might. Uh, cause a panic so they're giving them the full jaws package here does that ever work out in a, in a movie when they're you know when they just elect not to tell anyone about the danger that might be among them i don't think that's ever worked no and, and yet no. people still rely on well let, let, we better not tell anybody that could cause a panic you know i think i'd be willing to risk the panic <laughs> 
There's one more if we're talking about the red heroning of people. Uh, there's one more element that should be talked about when it comes to Wendy, and that in her room on her vanity is a scarf that is the same material as the glittery black ski mask that our killer wears later on. Oh man, you don't wow. miss a, you don't miss gotcha. a thing. I, I was just sitting I, there thinking. Up. I was just sitting there wondering when something was going to happen. I took five notes. That's amongst them. I was really looking hard into it. And also, Wendy drives a super boss uh, Corvette. Uh, they go to a high school with very vibrant uh, lockers. <laughs> Those lockers are very colorful. It blows out the entire movie screen when they come on. And yeah, everyone's blazered up. And then Kim, they all have one other friend who has blonde hair. Whose name I can't remember. She's oh just, yeah, she kept popping in and out, but I didn't understand. Yeah, who, and she is she was super highly sexualized. Yep. Yes, someone had to be. Yeah, someone, like just someone had to pick up that that very much. Kelly is is very torn about whether or not to sleep with her kind of scummy boyfriend, and Jamie Lee Curtis is like, well, you know, if you if you don't feel like it, you shouldn't. She's she's offering very reasonable advice, and this other girl's like, well, you gotta just get on that. <laughs> Just, no hesitation. She's flashing the sleazy groundskeeper and just, you know, she's a very aggressively sexual, which again, it's like, was something else supposed to be done with this character at some point? Or is this kind of, I mean, of course the big gag is that um, Kelly in the end elects not to, to lose her virginity to her, her scummy boyfriend and ends up dying anyway. Whereas presumably this other girl who very sexual, survives to the end and I, I i might be giving the movie a little more credit than it deserves but i i think that might have been an attempt to turn that particular trope on its head yeah i just think they're they lose so many threads in this whole oh thing. yeah they yeah yeah she definitely had to more to do with the script than she ended up sticking around for and then you know for the next hour almost nothing happens like i said a lot of phone a lot of phone calls a lot a lot of people talking on the telephone uh, a lot of people wandering ar- around a school. A An endless day, grass. right? This is all in one day. Yeah, it, it is all in one day. Um, Wendy recruits Lou to help her in some sort of vague plan to embarrass Kim at the prom, which it evidently involves Lou just walking out on stage with her, which I'm not quite sure what that ultimately is supposed to lead to. Other I mean, than would that, would uh, that really crush you as an individual he, if you he, this is the moment I'm going to walk out and prom queen and the guy who's supposed yeah, to be I mean, I feel king. like it, yeah, I, I feel like it's going to be ultimately a, a, a La La Land Moonlight situation where they're going to immediately <laughs> figure out, well, hey, that that guy's not supposed to be up there. Where's the other guy? And that does not seem to be like it would be particularly embarrassing for Kim. So mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure what the, the ultimate plan was here unless Wendy intended to kidnap Nick and force her to, force him to be her boyfriend again. Like what's going to happen? He's going to reach around and, and slap her ass again like he does <laughs> throughout the in, entire school day. And administrators just look around like, ah. What are you going to do? It's time to slap women's asses. I say that she's a woman, but again, these people are supposed to be in high school, but they all look like they've just entered the work field. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It doesn't help that they're all wearing blazers. They all look very (laughs) professional. 
Yeah, this, this looks like like people walking around the background of nine to five. <laughs> I, I had that same that. thought. Nine to five. <laughs> I was expecting Lily Tomlin to walk out any moment. Oh, that would have made this movie about fifteen thousand percent better if Lily Tomlin just walked into the middle of the company. What is this bullshit? Let's pull an end to <laughs> now it. Now we would have something out. to talk about. Yeah. Oh, boy. You know what was um, weird about this one day, though, is that for the most part, none of them at the beginning of the day had a date to the senior prom or whatever level yeah. prom was. And I don't know about, well, I do know about you, Patrick, but I don't know about you, Gina, where you went to school. People set this stuff up like, Two months and a yeah, ahead of time. Yeah, you actually had to. You, you couldn't show up in the last... The, and you certainly couldn't show up with someone that the school hadn't given the okay to to, right. to bring along with you. You, I, I had actually gone to my prom with someone who did not go to my high school. And I had to fill out a form. They had to say, yeah, this is okay. What? And, yeah, well, just because, you know, they... they just to make sure that you know you weren't going to bring some you know ex-con to your to your prom, which I'm I'm sure people have at some point. You know they they you know <laughs> I'm not ju- they, they do yeah. if cool. I, I'm not judging, but but yeah. And again, that's 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 another. I mean, we could have a whole other episode just on on like prom tropes. In that, yeah, you there are a lot of movies that involve the prom in which people on the last the day of are still getting their shit together as to. You know, where who they're gonna go with, what they're gonna wear, which is, I mean, you have to wear your tuxedo like two weeks in advance. And you the know, corsage, you're telling me yeah, that Floris was gonna produce a corsage yeah, on the day it, of? It, it's no. just, it, it, it seems to be a, a, a an unnecessary way to to add drama, I guess, to a, a, a kind of empty script. But yeah, I, I was noticing all the, the the prom cliches that were being checked off. I really enjoy Wendy's side pony. Is that a side pony or is that a side sweep pony? Yeah, she's just she might as well be her her character is so coded as as the rich bitch. I'm surprised she's not walking around in riding pants. <laughs> That's the only thing missing. With like a little like a little crop on her side and and just you know calling somebody daddy. <laughs> like she's just so over the top and, and everybody else in this movie is so under the top that that she really kind of comes off as very close to a comic book villain let's talk very quickly about our lead actress jamie lee curtis is in uh this uh, her locker room and she's in there with her friend whose name i can't remember kelly kelly so they're in the locker room with the express purpose of getting making sure the audience has seen shots of jamie lee curtis in her bra and magically this mirror is shot rocks are thrown at it i, I get the impression that you see just smashed it with his hands now now of course this is one of those lazy slasher movie things where where the the killer is somehow able to be everywhere at once and, and this also happens quite a bit. It's how the, the climax of the movie is carried along because there's no possible way that this killer could be at all these places in, in the amount of time that it would ta- that, that, that it takes. He's uh, he's quite the sprightly ninja, although unlike a lumbering Jason Voorhees, it's a little more believable that he's quick on his feet. He does but, seem spry, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's young. He's limber. He can he can make it places uh, in no time flat. That's how you know it's not Leslie fucking Nielsen. 
because <laughs> he's not in any way, shape, or form the same body type. But this mirror is destroyed, and the direct reason for it is so that shards of it can later be used as murder weapons to sort of uh, symbolize the death of Robin, I guess is what they're going for. Oh, is that is that what it was? Because he only he only he kill, he only killed one person with, with the mirror shard. He doesn't also uh, kill the girl in the van with the mirror shard. I thought he's uh, the because he had an, he got himself an axe at some point. That's true. I don't know where he got the axe from. Apparently, he dropped by Home Depot on his way from killing uh, Jude and Slick back to the school. Schools are full of axes. Yeah, um, it was a long was. day, Dana. He had time. <laughs> We see almost all of it just because there's one part we don't see. And so they are rather nonplussed at the sight of this. Uh, Malvert is sent in to clean it up. And we get to see several cutaways of him slowly and laboriously (laughs) cleaning up a mirror. And as Jamie Lee Curtis is walking out of it, this is when we see this brochure wall. And the only one you can really read says this get more mileage out of first aid yes <laughs> i saw that brochure what i does didn't that mean? understand it i, I guess that means do- you're, you're supposed to go do first aid for everything like you know paper cuts zits something like that i mean or like the, like use this back team more in in a way that makes it last longer it doesn't that is the weirdest that, that's headline our, for that's our, a that, pamphlet. That, that's our new uh, no handball playing in the hallways. Yeah, I believe this is our new trope. Weird shit that people have put up as rules that are in fact not rules or things that you should learn about. Like getting You're get not going to score mileage. a date through first aid. I, I don't... <laughs> I don't see where this is taking us. I, I think my favorite aspect of this scene, though, is that Jamie Lee Curtis is so startled by this mirror shattering that she neglects to button her shirt for about 10 minutes. That's she has a lot to day. think about at this time. <laughs> she doesn't really seem scared, though. She just seems sort of puzzled. And, and you would think that in the, in the walking around, she could probably you know, put, do, do up a couple buttons on that shirt before but she... But she's thinking about the first aid situation. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, broken glass, you, someone's going someone's to get cut. Plus, she has all of those very, very, very thick Cosmopolitan magazines to leaf through. Um, <laughs> that's also occupying the majority of her day. Or maybe she has more feathers to attach to her smart blazer, you know. She's got a lot going on. Yeah, well, she's 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 definitely thinking about that uh that choreographed disco dance number with her with her prom date. Yeah, let's just fucking get to it because nothing abs- absolutely nothing happens until we're at this dance. And once we are, we witness some of the oddest freeform dancing you're ever going to see in your life. I don't know if the actual music was playing during this, but there's a lot of uh ho-dowing or <laughs> ho ho downing i don't know i think it's there a- was some ho downing too <laughs> uh there's some odd sachets alex is the sound person and he spends the majority of it on stage just like laughing randomly at people yeah i like that they could afford a, a light up floor but mm-hmm. then they had to hire a junior in the high school to take care of the actual like music and and, and all that that light up floor is chewing up most of the budget so <laughs> it makes sense so so yeah, like um, so Wendy and Lou show up and they have a you know a nice 
very extended glowering match between them and, and Kim and Nick. And then Kim turns to Nick and says, let's show them what we can do. And they <laughs> dance at them. Do it, they ever. It is a revenge dancing? Is that? It, it, no, because it's, it's not really a West Side Story thing where we're, we're Lou and Wendy or, or like uh, the scene in, in Greece where they you know have a dance off. They just want to show them how fucking good they are at disco dancing. And you know what? They're not very good, as it turns out. <laughs> Jamie yeah, Lee but Curtis they did looked... have to remember a lot of moves. And I want to know, when were they announced prom king and queen that they could start to choreograph this? And and is this something that is normally done in which the prom king and queen are required to do some sort of choreographed dance? No, it's this kind of thing that puts them above and beyond everyone else. The, again, just to bring this back to other horror movies we talked about, in relation to Friday the 13th Part 5, we've got a part tut, part moomenschance-like <laughs> beginning to this where they're trapped in glass boxes and they're pulling themselves forward. And, oh man, it is it just keeps going and going and going. One of the lyrics is, we can face ah. reality forever. Yeah, I, I like Jamie Lee Curtis a lot. She's not a natural dancer. <laughs> and and, I, guess, and I can she's able I, to I, for, for that, that aerobics thing that she does. And, like, and she I can say that right and I could say that because I'm not a natural dancer. And you know what? So I would not do a, a I would not have done a choreographed dance at my prom. Well that's the thing, right? Know your strengths. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. It they they do a lot of and this this goes so on a long time. It's like five minutes of them boogie woogieing, and half the time he's just kind of staring at her, uh, moving his hips back and forth, and everyone else is <laughs> just staring at it, bored out of their goddamned minds. And I think the funniest thing is this came out in 1980. And disco was kind of on its way out by this point. And, and, and I feel like this was someone, you know, some hip 47-year-old's attempt at, at trying to, you know, put a little extra, you know, twist or spin on their own property. Well, this is the one that's going to have the disco in it. The kids love the disco. It's like they were living out their own fantasy of what they would have done at prom if they could go back. It, yeah, it, it really does. Like, you know, finally I'm going to get back at all these people and just do these sweet moves on the dance floor. I mean, they really teach them a thing or two. And then they have this sort of, uh, I don't know, a soul train that happens. <laughs> where, where Jamie Lee Curtis leads other young women in the high school and sticks out her tongue inappropriately and they do a centipede around the entire dance floor <laughs> and then everyone who's not part of it is off to the side clapping with the exception of of lou and wendy who are just as pissed off as they were when they entered so if this was a you know fuck you to the two of them i don't know it i don't think it really penetrated well no because i don't think that anybody is particularly impressed with you know someone's disco dancing moves i mean do you, i mean i don't know if you had any antagonists in high school patrick but i mean if you were at a if you were at a dance, would you be like blown away if he just suddenly started like break dancing or or, or some kind of vanilla ice type shit on the dance floor? You yeah, would have been like, you would have been like, what the fuck's this asshole doing? <laughs> I mean, would you be like, would you would not? I don't think you would have been like, whoa, 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 okay, dude, you're way cooler than me now. 
I'm just gonna Homer Simpson back my way to the bushes here. I, think, I don't know. I think f- if Ryan Harvey did the did the snake on the dance floor, you <laughs> might have a bit of applause for him. <laughs> That's a very specific joke. Only uh, Crescenta Valley High School people are really going to get of a certain age. Maybe not right now, but <laughs> I'm sure they're huge with that set. Um, yeah, I, what the fuck is this asshole doing? Is probably every what everyone wanted to write in my yearbook at the end of the year. <laughs> I don't oh. know. I don't know what people thought of my. I'll just say it. I had an ability to dance to a degree. <laughs> now, Janelle, you would be the person who had the most experience with my quote-unquote ability to dance. Do you think I was making anyone feel shamed or like put in their place by my ability to get my groove on? I do not recall being embarrassed by your dancing. Well, you were helping participate in it, though. (laughs) I was probably very busy thinking of my own disco move to bust out. Oh, that's true. We did do a lot of disco dancing during our prom. I can't remember a single song that occurred while we were at the prom. I think you held your ground just fine. That's that's my recollection. Did you guys have a theme, like a song theme? Because we would have gone, we would have been there, like, gone roughly the same time. Because I know, I know, like my my high school, we had to, we had, we were doing a list of songs to nominate, mm-hmm. and and among them was "Love's Love Bites" by Def Leppard. Nice. <laughs> Nice. Which which Sweet. which thankfully did not did not win, but but what uh, what did win was a uh, a one hit wonder by a band called Sheriff. I, uh, oh my! I, I implore our listeners to look this song up on the on on the YouTube. It is called "When I'm With You." Total hair metal power ballad. I don't recall what it was, but I I want to say it was in the the realm of Whitney Houston or something. It was not edgy. No. We did not have a very edgy high school experience. This no, was no, we, about not, as bland as it could possibly get. It was full of nice people, uh, you know, vaguely moving their hips as much as Jesus was would allow. But it, I, I can't say that we were burning up the dance floor in disco madness. That that's for certain. Yeah, I can't remember a single song that occurred. Did we even have a meal at it, or did we certainly didn't eat beforehand? Let's talk about our prom because it's much more fucking interesting <laughs> than what happens in this movie. Well, I don't know. I mean, did did anybody you know, get their? There was there did your prom prom involve like someone's decapitated head rolling rolling across the dance floor? You know, I do feel like it fell short in that way. <laughs> it was light on decapitated heads. That's for sure. Can certain. I tell you? Can I tell you, Gina, what Patrick came and picked me up in? Please do. He rolled up in a, what would you call that, maroon wine color? Yeah. Wine, a, a Maserati. And I that didn't mean much to me. I will say I wasn't a, a car aficionado, and uh, I was surprised by it. I didn't quite get it, but I did get that it was an expensive car, and I was not so impressed that it was Maserati as I was that someone would allow Patrick to drive their Maserati. That was pretty cool. <laughs> I, I went to the prom, I think, in an 81 Monte Carlo, maybe. <laughs> I went to a very working class prom. So, yeah, you, you did not see... Every, like, if you were going in a limousine, you were going with, like, six other people. Like, you, you had to pool together your money from working at the Blueberry Farm or, or the McDonald's to be able to afford this stretch limousine. 
And it'll probably be the only time you run a limousine again until, like, someone got married. I hope this isn't the only time the phrase, pull your money together from working at the blueberry farm, is mentioned out loud. <laughs> that is a delightful statement. That's a, that's a, you, you, you guys had your regional joke. I had my, my, <laughs> my, my regional reference. You, you had, you had, oh, I took my day to the province of Maserati. I said, well, the kids of my high school worked at blueberry farm. That is not a regional reference. It's literally a, a, a guy who used to teach me at my church my little class lost a bet to me and that he said okay what do you want and i said i want to drive your maserati to prom you did and he I said didn't yes yeah oh that's just, the only reason this happened i'm just like picturing you pulling up in front of janelle's house and like the theme from miami vice just blasting out the car <laughs> <laughs> It's probably so more we... an Axel F, but yeah, it, it, more <laughs> more like more than likely, what was blasting out of it was uh, De La Soul. Yeah, I guess. that sounds about right. So, did we go to dinner, or I think it, I think it was like a banquet style situation. I believe we had some sort of rubber banquet chicken. Yeah, that some sounds sad about right. chicken. Yeah. Um, I don't recall much at the prom. I do recall the details after the prom. Please mm-hmm. let ev- this is the reason why you're here. So I'm just gonna sit back and and see if our memories connect. <laughs> oh boy! Oh, I feel bad. Okay, so after the prom, Patrick took me back to his house into his what was that a den or a yeah t- basement exactly situation? What, no, it, we, we were It was a basement. It was uh, it was on the first floor. It was okay. It's the same room. May, listeners might remember. That my mom claimed if I slept in that room that the Night Stalker would kill me. <laughs> because it's on the first floor and we lived near a freeway entrance and exit. and so That would be easy access room? Okay. Easy access for um, killing, yes. Yeah, I, I did not uh, know what room it was because all the lights were off the whole time. <laughs> um. <laughs> I don't believe all the lights were off, but okay. Every light was off and <laughs> in the world <laughs> we had to be quiet entering that was like a very it was a silent entry oh yeah a, that's true and a slip into the back room were they asleep or something i mean it must have been ten thirty. yeah my, well they were either asleep or knowing my parents in some sort of tense standoff uh next to one another in bed that's probably more likely there was tension seething in the house. Yeah. seething and rage at one another next to one another yeah yeah you don't want and to disturb then... that. <laughs> and then we watched Bull Durham. Yes. <laughs> we Am went I to right? the place of my employment at the time, Blockbuster Video, and we picked out two videos. We were very, I don't know, I probably picked out something. You're like, well, I'm not fucking watching that. Let's rent Bull Durham. <laughs> Wait, we went, we went to the video store together? Oh yeah, we went to Blockbuster. I don't remember right. that part. You guys went. Was you, the only... you tell me you guys were like still in, like the tuxedo and then the, the froofy dress and all. You oh yeah, I'm start. I'm like head to toe in a blueberry, uh, blueberry taffeta. I, I I think I was three years outdated in that dress. But yeah, I think I don't recall changing. Maybe I changed over. Uh, I don't. Know. I think I took my jacket off and maybe loosened my tie. Uh, I believe you were you were still in that outfit. In the dress, okay. Yeah. Which I could probably not breathe in. Um, okay, so then we sit on the couch. We start watching Bull Durham, and this is where I'm going to lose people. I hate, I hate that movie. 
You know, I, I don't think I've I don't think I've ever seen it because I I, I have an allergy to to Kevin Costner. Yeah, I'm like, not a fan. I had never seen it before then, and I have never had a desire to watch it after. So it didn't. Much oh, I make ruined it for you. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I can't have ruined a movie that doesn't sound like anyone else here likes. So right. I don't. Yeah. Okay, so then I sensed that Patrick was about to make a move. <laughs> You know how you know. <laughs> you you did he yaw- did cold he, did he, sweat and nerves. Did, yeah. did he, did he yawn was, and stretch his arm out? There was, and- there was some of that. There was some of... <laughs> yeah. Tense breathing. Uh-huh. And this so all I- checks. Right? <laughs> and possibly some, like, twitching. In which case, I responded... <laughs> I very generously responded by pretending to be asleep. (laughs) Hey, I did that too on my date. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Patrick. You don't have to be sorry. (laughs) Listen, (laughs) I was privileged enough to walk out of doors with a woman of your grace and beauty. So at the end of the day, it wasn't, you know entirely super successful in terms of that is concerned but i don't look back at it as any sort of failure on anyone's part i did sense that you were faking sleeping no. oh no <laughs> it was, it was, was like, the, it was oh. the one eye it was the one eye open up to see what you were doing <laughs> it was that she was grabbing a sharp object with one hand very white knuckled like yeah. it, it was it was the it was the doing the the curly hair <laughs> <laughs> it's it's that she put her head back and then put a feather on top of her mouth it kept it aloft she, she held up a piece of paper next to her head that says easy 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 so it wasn't con- entirely convincing but it was effective it, it, it did it's like job. prom night <laughs> I, I i don't i i'm not even lying when i said that it's exactly i got out of something i did not want to do by pretending to be asleep yes it, it does work I will say, though, <laughs> Patrick was such a gentleman, and I had an overall very fun evening, and um, yeah, I just was not very fun in return. Uh, yeah, it doesn't, that doesn't necessarily uh, mean that it wasn't fun. It I mean, just... I was hilarious and a good date, I'm sure, but yes. yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, what are you going to do? I, we, If you've seen pictures of me in high school, you would probably pretend to be asleep, too. <laughs> Needless to say, he did not ask me out again. Fair enough. (laughs) I got the impression that um, fake sleep was going to be a lot in my future. (laughs) And that maybe this was not the love match that I had thought uh, in my head. And so, yeah. Well, what I'm finding funny is that this little interaction we had started with a date to a... I don't remember the movie, but it was a some sort of thriller, bloody something. Do you remember? <laughs> uh, was this part of a group sort of situation? No, you asked no? me out on a date. This was before prom. Oh, you asked me out on a date, one on one, and you took me to a movie, and it was some kind. Of, I mean, it would have been perfect fodder for Kill by Kill, and that's what brings us back together. <laughs> it's poetic. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, that also sounds like me. Uh, taking a girl to a horror movie uh, seemed to be my M.O. 
and there were plenty of bad horror movies to take people to. But I, but no day. rolling head at our prom to to answer that. Oh yeah, uh, speaking, initial speaking, question. Yeah, speaking of rolling heads, we really should just try to get back to to the the once things finally start to happen. Yeah, which, which is no lie, an hour into this movie before anything starts to happen and you know what even when things begin happening they are drawn out to an unbearable length not not unbearable in an oh my god this is so tense i can't take it sense but in a oh my god will you just murder these insufferable characters i don't care about already each one of these death scenes is just drawn out forever i mean at least kelly's happens in quick succession she is uh as we mentioned earlier being the attempt is being made to make tender love to her inside of a locker room. So tender. That that does not go very well. She at least she says, "No, I don't want to do this." And her boyfriend says, "Okay, then I won't." So that's w- at least something in the plus column. No, 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 no. He <laughs> he says to her, "Well, I'll just go find someone else who will." And he does. <laughs> There is a shot of him going out to the dance floor, whispering something in a girl's ear, and she just walks away with him. He was well, right. Yeah. And and I like the symbolic that he takes his boutonniere off and throws it at, throws it on the ground. Like, yeah, here's your take, take, take your shitty flower back. <laughs> uh, so he walks out and says, I can get some elsewhere. And then our killer in a sparkly ski mask. <laughs> comes in and slashes her throat with the part of that broken mirror from earlier today. And, um, yeah, that's Kelly. All right, BD. I, I have one more in the plus column, and yeah. Kelly brings it. Um, this was the only part, only moment of good acting I identified in the movie was her eyes when she was dying. Yeah, that part was actually pretty creepy. That was, yeah. like, the only, I think that was the only... Like, 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 Lou's death is funny. I, I mean, that may say a, a lot of, about me, but I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. Um, but her death was was the only kind of genuinely creepy moment in the in the yeah. in the whole movie. Kudos to Kelly. It the movie sort of undercuts that tension just slightly by transitioning from her bloody red neck to the, the punch, red punch bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's almost as good of a transition as um in Bram Stoker's Dracula when um Lucy's decapitated head goes like flying across the frame and then the next shot's like like a roast beef on the table. <laughs> <laughs> I love when movies do that. It never fails to amuse me. In the meantime, uh the sergeant or lieutenant is on the phone constantly. He's not paying attention to anything that's happening in that He's doing a terrible job chaperoning. A terrible, because he's learning all about whether or not they've they've caught this uh, crazed rapist murderer burned man. In the meantime, we check in with Jude and Slick, and they are totes doing it in his fuck van, and Mm. it was really awesome. It's so awesome that after they're finished, we get an extended scene of watching Slick pee while Jude talks to him. <laughs> yeah, and Which also super romantic. And and also they're inter- I think I think their interaction is actually kind of kind of charming because you find out it's both of their first time. Yeah. Now, of course, you know, they they you know, in typical movie fashion, it's like the greatest experience they they've ever had, which mm-hmm. we uh, I think we could all safely say that nobody's first time is is fireworks and and, and stars and rainbows. But yeah, of course, they don't you, know any better. 
Yeah, but they, of course, it's the best thing, and they, they've got to do it again, like, immediately. <laughs> I thought it was sweet. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was charming. I was happy for them. The, the, not, none of them are, in, neither of these two are what drags the movie down. That's for damn. No, 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 no. They're perfectly pleasant. And they also provide some of the weirdest things that happen in the movie. Once again, the Americanness of this Canadian uh, filmed and penned and directed movie is put into play here. And the background is an American flag. And then he uh, slick pulls out this Ameri- American history textbook that's full of J's. <laughs> I've never seen so many. Oh, my gosh. When I, how... do you have time? Well, now, well now we know how he affords that, 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 that boogie van. This show, he's selling loose joints. Uh, they then decide to, yeah, go at it again uh, on a blanket on the side of the cliff. And then they decide not to for reasons. So they get back into the van. Then they smoke a dube. Yeah, he breaks his glasses, which I, I, I really, I, I felt for him because I am pretty much helpless without my glasses. She's leaning against the back doors of the van. And our killer opens up both doors at the same time and just stabs the hell out of her neck. It was fast. It was super fast. Now, Lou is obviously... Slick. uh, Slick. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Don't do that to Slick. There are only two Burnett people in this whole movie and I I can't keep them straight. Slick deserves better to be confused. Are you talking about Seymour Crane? (laughs) (laughs) Seymour, quote unquote, Slick crane yes uh he's like well fuck this let's get out of here uh he gets into the driver's seat and we have what feels like five hours of killer on slick on van combat driving in circles i mean he's going the- no stop no stop. we can't drive anywhere else this camera is on a tripod and we can't move it yeah, bless Slick. He, he's my favorite character in the movie, but the the actor does not portray terror very convincingly. <laughs> it's hard to when you can't see. Well, yeah. And, I mean, again, I can I can understand that. And they get thrown around in this. I think they thought that this was a really thrilling sequence, <laughs> but it's not. Well, I found it interesting how the killer kept popping out of different parts of the van. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like physically impossible what was happening, which did did make me and, and and again, it kind of takes away from the the you meant to be sort of sympathetic angle of who the killer is. That now he's just resorting to killing people that have nothing to do with the with the uh, with what he wants revenge for. I suppose Slick is a witness, and yeah, so but he had a mask on. Oh, that's true. But he, the Alex. Uh, Spoiler yep, alert yep, for a movie that came in out in 1980. <laughs> um, Alex, the younger brother, is the villain. Uh, we might as well say it. Like He only appears in the last 20 minutes of the fucking movie. Um, so Alex is it. And he has a very specific body type. And it's not anyone else's. Mm, no. He certainly does not appear burned. Uh, he certainly doesn't look like Lou. He doesn't look like Leslie Nielsen. He doesn't look like Mrs. Hammond. He doesn't weigh more than 140 pounds. No. Wet. Yeah, I don't know even know how he's able to lift up that axe, to be honest with you. <laughs> I just picture him, like, picking up and like, just falling over. And then he, the he, other... yeah, he has the, the, the magic exploding vehicles as, as, his, as his van drives off the cliff. Yeah, Slick's van seems to be full of red velvet 
joints and gasoline. Ni- nitroglycerin. <laughs> <laughs> Loose sticks of dynamite. It's almost like the explosion and going over the bluff were unrelated events that just kind of yeah, I think coincided. Just, I think the killer just like gave up and just threw a lit, a lit match into the gas tank. <laughs> Fuck it, I'll let it do itself. As soon as the van starts to head over over the cliff, it starts to explode. <laughs> as if it's like, all right, you know what? I let's know it's going to happen. It, Why yeah. not? Yeah, let's just explode here. Alex is able to climb in and out of every door in the entire thing. Was Wendy killed before or after Lou? Because Wendy, Wendy's scene takes so long oh, that I, I, I can't remember if it happens before or, or after. And and, and the, the scene carries on her being willfully stupid yeah they go up and down a bunch of stairs she doesn't she does she does not do the one obvious thing which would be to run where the people are yeah she runs in the exact opposite direction apparently this high alexander hamilton senior high school is so giant they have another gym (laughs) that is not having a prom at that moment to run to she does not yell for help she doesn't run in the direction of where she just came from she doesn't remove her high heels it's it's very like just blatantly you know we're gonna have this this character make the most inane decisions possible leading to her death they do show before this chase scene that a lot of these doors are chained closed with a padlock which is totes against the law you can't really do that so that i guess you can do that in canada uh, I don't know. Well, it's 1980. I think you could yeah. do just about anything. You could smoke in the hallways. You also get a repeat shot of Alex's feet coming towards somebody uh, that's reused in Kelly's death scene. She doesn't go towards people. She doesn't take off her shoes. She just runs as fast as she can towards closed doors. She runs and hides and hides and runs and runs and hides and hides and runs. She gets scared by uh, a resuscitation mannequin. She hides inside of a car for what feels like an eternity. And then she somehow runs into a room where Kelly's body is hiding for some reason. It's not oh, yeah. the lock. It's not the locker room. But she just, she just, of all the rooms in the school, she just happens to just so they can have the whole whoop. Here's the body just falling down from the ceiling, just perfectly timed. Well, it's yeah, a we janitor's get... closet, right? So does that go back to? Oh, they the pointing towards the janitor. Maybe yeah. that's an actual attempt at red hairy yeah. ring. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So we get a glimpse of Jason Voorhees interior decorator style body hiding. Finally catches up to her and hacks her up to pieces. And so R.I.P.D. There, lady. Wendy. Name? Wendy. Wendy. <laughs> I conveniently <laughs> forgot. And trying to remember all the places she hides in the entire movie. Uh, In the meantime, uh, Kim's dad has disappeared to places we know not where. Don't worry about him. He's fine. I mean, he, he, yeah, nothing happens to him. That's just, again, poor editing and or screenwriting. And then it's time for this sort of coronation to begin. So everyone heads backstage. And this is where Wendy's plan comes into fruition. Where the plan is, Lou beats the fuck out of Nick and takes his place. What? He slapped him once. Yeah, and That's then the, all it, it takes. It, yeah, he he he. <laughs> it's like a it's like a James Bond henchman. All you have to do is like backhand him, and he's just immediately out on the floor. It was like it's a, a gentle judo tap. chop situation. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out what exactly was the end game in the in this plan. The end game was the scene progresses and then Lou's head gets chopped off. Yeah, I, I just want to tell the listeners that if you really want to see this scene, and and it's a pretty funny. I mean, like I said, I, I think it's funny. Um, you could go about. It's about if you watch it on YouTube, it is one hour twenty four minutes into this movie. With it, which leaves about seven minutes to go for the movie, which mm-hmm. tells you how long it takes for anything to happen. But I mean, you could just watch that scene. You you don't need to worry about understanding what has entailed up to this point or the plot because the plot doesn't really make much sense. So just you know, watch this ridiculous scene of a man getting beheaded and does it does his head just roll or does the killer kind of just toss it out onto the, the i think it's uh, the momentum of the swing takes it out to i don't know the infield and, it, and, and it's kind of funny because it kind of takes people longer than it should to notice that there's a severed head on the on the uh, on the stage again this director has studied how carrie plays out and is trying to replicate it yeah, that's yeah, that's a good point. That's probably you know just you know, everybody's like, what? Wait, what is this? Am I seeing things right? But it takes it seems to take them a little implausibly long to figure out. What's Maybe going they're on. just getting more mileage out of their first aid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's like hmm, maybe we should get some bandages. Let yeah, let's let this moment linger a little. Uh, a tour- tourniquet, maybe somebody. Uh, yeah, yeah. You just seal that off, and you can just slap that back on. No, no problem. Uh, you can live without a head for a good ten to fifteen seconds. Did Lou really need his head? Did Lou ever really use his head? No, he was only he only grew a, as a human being after he lost his head. <laughs> Uh, this this uh, swing of the axe does two things. One, it decapitates Lou. And secondly, our killer is electrocuted when his axe hits a loose cord of some kind. And he gets shockamified uh, onto the ground. This gives everyone time to escape and gives Kim a chance to run back and try to find Nick, who has been taped up with the slightest amount of white athletic tape. <laughs> does not take very long to loosen his bonds and then we have a highly unconvincing axe fight and it's one step above the my bloody valentine pickaxe versus shovel fight (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's not it's not nearly as exciting as the as the filmmakers wanted wanted you to think it was supposed to be yeah, this is supposedly just as exciting as it could possibly be. Also, Nick feigns an ankle injury that seems to disappear later on whenever he actually needs use of that leg. And Jamie Lee Curtis doesn't do a lot. Can I can I say something uh, perhaps unflattering about Jamie Lee Curtis? Sure. She screams a few times in this movie. And if you're watching on headphones, it is unfucking bearable like like there there is a scene like the scene in the cafeteria where where Lou like you know manhandles her and her brother decides to try to attack him she is shrieking someone's name and and it's just in a in a decibel and a tone that would make a dog's head just just pop like a grape <laughs> and 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 she I don't I don't know what I mean I don't know I realized she was you know ironically referred to as a scream queen she was the original scream queen but for some reason, just this, it's just, it's such a level of shrillness that it's like, oh my God, I, I, 
kind of hoping she doesn't make it to the end of this movie because this is ho- this is awful. This is a, a a pox upon the ears. In the middle of the fight uh, between Nick and what we learned to be Alex, they they are on the ground tussling with one another, and Alex appears to be trying to push Nick's hair back as a defense. <laughs> It's a very weird wrestling match. Some people have sensitive scalps, Patrick. (laughs) (laughs) Nick does not uh, appear to be one of those people. In the meantime, uh, the axe is lost in all the melee. And Kim slash Jamie Lee Curtis, because no one's memorized what her character name is, uh, goes to retrieve it. And she stands over these two as they wrestle, waiting for her moment to hatchet somebody? I guess she was going to yeah, pop him one. I mean, she doesn't go at it with an axe handle here. She really does go at it with the business end once the tide turns that way. And she grazes our killer, who is also wearing red socks. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's supposed to be significant. I don't know. Yeah. And then he holds the side of his head like, oh my god, why, why, why would you hurt your little brother? And they stare pensively at it, and she goes, no, no! <laughs> and Alex runs off, and they're like, eh, I, I guess we should see, you know, what he's doing. This, yeah, I'm not really, My, my I'm little not, brother, the murderer. Yeah, I'm not really sure what, what Alex's endgame was in this. I mean, was he just going to explain to her later, well, you know, they all killed, they, they were all responsible for, for Robin's death. You're, you're okay yeah, with she, this, right? Yeah, she would come around, for sure. Yeah, you're, you're okay that I, I killed, you know, five people Mm -hmm. because they were you know i mean they didn't technically murder her they were teasing her and she fell i mean it was an accident i mean i I, I can see manslaughter manslaughter yeah yeah. i I mean i can see you why you would have some level of anger and resentment Mm -hmm. at these people but i would not think that you know you would kill them and then go back to your sister and say see what i did we cool now everything's fine i i've avenged our sister's death in the meantime he he goes out there and what explains what his motivation is are flashbacks that only he can see, I assume, and the audience. He's like force projecting his recollections of an event that he yeah, did not Yeah, I'm now wondering, did, did he see her fall out of the window? Because it, it kind of got the impression that he showed up after that. So how yeah. would he so how would he know that 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 they were responsible for him falling for her falling out the window. Well, they they do reveal as she takes off the mask that he is standing over her while she's bleeding out on the right. On the but I but the, the, there was a shot where after she falls where like like a shadow kind of falls over her. Yes, that kind of it gives you the impression that he he whoever it was supposed to be, you know, it turned out to be Alex, showed up after the fact. It's a literal foreshadowing. Uh huh. Oh, you see what I did there. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm feeling um, that in a weird place. <laughs> that should be the new name of uh, the podcast. Or maybe that's our hashtag, feeling it in a weird place. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he recalls this and everyone gets the envisioning of this out there just again like my bloody valentine would pick up this same exact motif later on must be something in the canadian water and then she pulls back his mask and is he wearing lipstick he you know i saw that that. he does look like he's wearing lipstick i totally thought that and you know that the blood that's supposed to be is not very good blood it looks like he has like 
red Kool-Aid on the side of his face. But yeah, he definitely looks like he's wearing lipstick. And I'm like, and is possibly this possibly rouge too I'm, on I'm his like, right cheek? I'm like, is this something he they left out? The DGC wearing makeup? Why? Like, is this like the like is this the ghost of his dead twin? Yeah, but she would have been wearing lipstick. His body. She would have been wearing lipstick. She was like ten. Yeah, but you know, she grew with him. As oh, this so sort it's of her ghost prom- persona. It's he's her representing prom- both of them. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, like that he's... they really edited some shit out of this movie. Then <laughs> I don't know because that's some like guess. that's some like dress to kill level shit, and they they wow okay, but yeah, no, Deep. I'm glad I'm glad you said because I definitely said she wearing lipstick. It's a it's a total guess. I mean, I don't know anything for certain. And if someone tells me that they know for certain, they might be full of it. I, I kind of wish. Actually tell you. I, I actually hope that that's the case. And now, I'm, and then if it was, I, I wish they hadn't edited it all out because that would have made it a way more interesting movie than it was. I'm not saying it would have made it a good movie, but it would have made it a more interesting movie. Yeah, I mean, it might have made it more slightly. You know, I guess they're trying to go for like a psycho thing where. He's him, but he's also his dead twin, and so yeah. But they, but I mean, they, they they did nothing to establish that there was anything weird about Alex. In fact, I mean, his he barely registers as a character, which which is strange considering that he would end up being the killer. So, be, due to this axe wound to the side of his head from his sister, he then dies at the gates of his school r.i.p.d alex and that's it man that's that's it the movie literally ends right then and there as if it's accomplished something <laughs> I, i'm gonna i'm gonna just uh i'm gonna i'm gonna pull like a uh, like a shazam kazam thing and just pretend that that the theory you came up with is what actually happened in this movie because otherwise it's called a, a <laughs> kazam shazam thing. yeah well i mean <laughs> I, I, it's not entirely like that because I'm merely remembering, choosing to remember a plot point that didn't actually happen. Mm. But, but I, I, I think that idea is pretty cool, to be honest. And, and, and again, this movie was such a snooze for the most part that, that I am just rewriting it in my head to, to, to make it into, I guess they would have thought though that they had, it would have been a little too, you know, killer mommy killer type of thing with like, with yeah. the, I, it's possible they may have done that and then saw Friday the 13th. Yeah, no, we, we can't do that. That's that we're going to be getting lawsuits because of this. I, I think know. it was before its time. Or or it was way behind the times. <laughs> I can't tell you which. It's one or the other. Well, it was um, definitely behind the times of this choice of music. I mean, even Terror Train kind of masks the amount of disco that's in it. <laughs> and that came out a full year before this. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's time once again to do what everyone loves to do on this podcast and that is choose your own death venture and we have quite a choice ahead of us i will open up this to you both if you had to die in one manner that is presented in prom night (laughs) and you can only choose one what would you choose your choices are you get your throat slashed with a sliver of mirror or you get your head stabbed by a sliver of mirror or you die in a fiery van crash down a cliff, or you get decapitated, or you just get hit enough on the side of the head that you start to have visions of your dead sister six years prior before you just pass out. And so, Janelle, 
as the girl I took to prom, <laughs> this is the corsage I have given to you many years later. Aww. What do you choose? Patrick. All right. Um, I'm going to go with Van over the bluff. That that explosion looked like it ended everything in a, in a hot second. Uh-huh. And I, I want to go quickly. Yep. That's me. Sure. That total makes total sense. All right. Uh, now, you have to understand that as the owner of that van, you then have to ride around in it and you have to park that badly. Oh, my gosh. I would dream of being in a van like that. Okay. As long as it fits your 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 profile as you as a person, I think we're cool with oh, it. All oh, right. It, it doesn't fit me. That's, I think, what makes it so cool. Oh, it's a lofty pursuit. Right, right. Okay. It's a it's a life goal. We can dig that. Gina, what say you? Um you did not actually offer uh Wendy's death as a oh, that's uh, as, true. as an option. Um I, she just gets throat slashed like everybody else. No, 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 she got axed. She got she got axed. She got she got axed. She yeah. got chopped. Yeah, that's oh, what he okay. he suddenly had just pulls an axe out of his bag of holding and uh um that because seems I, so long I may have fallen asleep in the middle of it. Yeah, that's it's understandable. But I think that you know, if I was faced with death, I probably would make a, a series of stupid, increasingly stupider decisions to try to save my own life. I'm mm-hmm. looking at it in terms of, you know, what is the likelihood of of my behaving like the certain character would in this situation? And I definitely would just, you know, run the wrong way or, or attempt to continue opening doors that cannot open. So you know, yeah, I probably deserve an an, an axe to the to the forehead for for my continued stubbornness and and refusal to you know, go back to where the people are, maybe a hundred feet down the hallway. So yeah, I, I would have to take Wendy's way out. All right, I'm down with that. That rationale works. Um, I think the most representative death in this of me is Lou. He's a guy who only gets handsomer. Because his head's taken off. And that disgraced me in high school in particular. I uh, disagree. You weren't you weren't dissuaded by my hockey hair. And keep in mind, we grew up in southern fucking California. I just looked up a picture of you in high school and you look adorable. <laughs> yeah. Adorable gets your date to pretend to fall asleep on you. Yeah, it didn't work. I'm just saying. <laughs> It, it, it was not adorable enough, but adorable uh, enough to at least get a yes to the prom. It, 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 sure, it certainly didn't deserve getting your head chopped off. Ah, well, no one deserves to get their head chopped off. That's just the privilege that, that comes with the, the movie role. No, I think, so, I think Lou definitely deserved to get his head chopped off. Oh, yeah. He had it coming in spades. The only thing that, that would have been better if, uh, if he had gotten one to the midsection right before. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Uh, that's that's what I I choose to say, Janelle. Uh, thank you so much for for spending this time bullshitting about this weird <laughs> Canadian horror movie. It was time well spent. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm so happy that you were a part of this. Uh, and Gina, oh, where can people find you on the internets? I write about 70s and 80s television at tuneintonight.wordpress.com. Oh boy, check it out, people! Hey, you want to talk to us about your problem experiences? This is the way you do it. You either write us an email at killbykillpod at gmail.com. You have a very short story to tell, or you want to be one of those people who does threads and you want to game theory about your prom night. Uh, you reach out to us on Twitter at killbykillpod. At killbykillpod. 
And of course, we would love it if you would write uh, a, review, a kind review for us on iTunes. If you mention your favorite kill in all of the Friday the 13th series, or prom night for that matter, we will talk about it on the air. That is my solemn promise to you, the Kill by Kill listener. And with that, we must say adieu. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Kill by Kill is produced by We Write Good and is intended for entertainment purposes only. Friday the 13th is owned by Paramount Pictures. Jason is owned by New Line Cinema. No infringement is intended. Kill by Kill logo was designed by Josh Hollis. Visit him at joshhollis.com. The Kill by Kill theme was created exclusively for us by Revenge Body. Get the whole track and much, much more at revengebodymemphis.bandcamp.com today.